As we pick up today in Ezra chapter 5, let us remember our context. Cyrus has issued a decree to rebuild the temple of God in Jerusalem. They've gone back. Cyrus even said we should pay for all of this. They've gone back and they've started. But some of the people who had been outsiders, who had been moved into the land by the Babylonians and by the Persians, they didn't like the temple being rebuilt. So they wrote a letter of complaint and they used some misdirection and they used some, forgive me, false perceptions. And they said that they were rebuilding the walls, not the temple. And so wrong searches were made. The construction project is shut down. Now in chapter 5, verse 1, we begin building again. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edu, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shatiel, and Yeshua, the son of Jehazak, rose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. So, okay, God restarts the project. Now they didn't start, restart the project in their own idea. God, through his prophets, restarted the project. At the same time, Tetanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, and Shelthar Bozonai, and their associates came to them and spoke to them thus, Who gave you a decree to build this house and finish this structure? They again, they want to stop it, just like their you know, ancestors had stopped it. They also asked them this, What are the names of the men who are building this building? In other words, they want people responsible. But the eye of their God was on the elders of the Jews. <laughs> Everybody say the eye of God. I like that. But the eye of their God was on the elders of the Jews. And they did not stop them until a report should reach Iris, and then the answer could be returned by letter concerning it. All right, so God's eye gave favor. No work stoppage. This is a copy of the letter that Tetanai, governor of the province beyond the river, and Shalthar Bozanai and his associates, the governors who were in the province beyond the river, sent to Dairis the king. And they sent him a report to, in which it is written as follows. To Dairis the king, all peace. Be it known to the king that we went to the province of Judah to the house of the great God. It is being built with huge stones and timber is laid in the walls. This work goes on diligently and prospers in their hands. Then we asked those elders and spoke to them, who gave you a decree to build this house and finish the structure? So they said, we demanded by what authority? We also asked for their names, for your information, that we might write down their names of their leaders. But this was their reply to us. Quote, we are the servants of the, great, of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the house that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and finished. But because our fathers angered the God of heaven, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried away the people to Babylonia. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, Cyrus made a decree that this house should be rebuilt. All right, so Cyrus is the authority. And the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple that was in Jerusalem, 
and brought into the temple of Babylon. These Cyrus took out of the temple of Babylon, and they were delivered to one whose name was Sheshbazzar, whom he made governor. And he said to him, Take these vessels and go put them in the temple that is in Jerusalem, and let the house of God be rebuilt on its site. Not someplace else, its site. Then Sheshbazzar came and laid the foundation of the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And from that time until now, it has been in building and it is not finished. Therefore, if it seems good to the king, let a search be made in the royal archives there in Babylon to see whether a decree was issued by Cyrus the king for rebuilding of this house of God in Jerusalem and let the king send us his pleasure in this matter. Now, notice their response removes false perceptions. Remember, the last time they were shut down, it was all about smoke and mirrors. It was all about where they are rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and this city will rebel against you. But none of that was the case. It was all fake news. It's a term we hear a lot today. It was all fake news. Every bit of it was fake news. And it was shut down. So this time they made sure the truth got to the king. Because notice, and we quote, so evidently the Jewish leaders did a written response. Chapter 6, verse 1. Then Darius, the king, made a decree, and a search was made in Babylonia, in the house of archives where the documents were stored. And in Ekbantana, the capital that is in the province of Media, a scroll was found on which it is written, a record. In the first year of Cyrus the king, Cyrus the king issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem. Let the house be rebuilt, the places where sacrifices were offered, and let its foundations be retained. Its height shall be 60 cubits and its breadth 60 cubits, with three layers of great stones and one layer of temper. Let the cost be paid by the royal treasury. Hmm. Verse 5. And also let the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that is in Jerusalem and brought to Babylon, be restored and brought back to the temple that is in Jerusalem, each to its place. Everything has a place. You shall put them in the house of God. Now, therefore, Tethani, governor of the province beyond the river, Shethar, Bozanai, and your associates, the governors who are in the province beyond the river, keep away. So number one, stay away. Don't stop this. Don't interfere with this. Let the work on this house of God alone. Stay away. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders rebuild the house of God on its site. So stay away. Let them build. Moreover, I make a decree regarding what you are to do for these elders of the Jews for rebuilding of this house of God. The cost is to be paid to these men in full without delay from the royal revenue. The tribute, in other words, your taxes, <laughs> of the province from beyond the river. Now, would you look at that? So stay away, let them build. Number three, you pay for it. <laughs> now, amazing. They, they tried to stop it, and they wound up paying for it. So please forgive me. All things work together. 
And whatever is needed, bulls, rams, sheep for burnt offerings to the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, or oil as the priests of Jerusalem require, let it be given to them day by day without fail. So, all right. Number three was you pay for it. Number four, you provide the sacrifices. <laughs> that it may offer pleasing sacrifices to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Also, I make a decree that if anyone alters this edict, penalty, if anyone alters this edict, a beam shall be pulled out of his house and he shall be impaled on it and his house shall be made a dunghill. So, all right, there's going to be a penalty if you stop this. So the king did not just give an order, he gave an order with an ultimatum. If you don't do these things, if you alter what I've said in any way, if you don't pay for it, if you don't provide the sacrifices, he said, any guy who does this, I'm going to take one beam out of their house and I'm going to impale them on it. May the God who caused his name to dwell there overthrow any king or people who shall put a hand to alter this or to destroy the, this house of God that is in Jerusalem. I, Darius, make a decree, let it be done with all diligence. Now, brothers and sisters, God has a sense of humor. These people who destroyed the temple now pay to rebuild it. The conquerors who burned it to the ground, now they bring what belongs in it back, and they pay to rebuild it, and they pay for the sacrifices. This is God restoring twofold. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today picks up in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And yes, this is going to sound familiar because this is the focus of our study in the evening services. Paul. Remember, Paul means little one. Called by the will of God. So this is not self-called. Not self nor man called. To be an apostle of Christ Jesus. This is his office. And our brother Sosthenes. Now Sosthenes, remember, is a very fun guy. He was the ruler of the synagogue in Corinth that brought charges against Paul that were dismissed at the Bema seat in Corinth, and then he was beat up by the other members of the synagogue. So now the two different persecutors are together. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So notice their Lord and ours. There's a there's a concept there of a, of a oneness in the universal body of Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Now this is, this is the cause. This is the cause of thanksgiving. Now, pastors, listen to me. You don't give thanks to God for people because they give you money. You don't give thanks to God for people because of what they've done for you. You don't give thanks to God for people because of what they have not done against you. You give thanks to God for people because of the grace of God that has been given to them. Just like when Barnabas went to Antioch of Asia and he saw the evidence of the grace of God upon people. You give thanks to God for grace that has flowed to people's lives. That in every way you will be enriched in him in all speech and knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you eagerly wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you till the end guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I like that. You were called into fellowship with his Son. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Paul says, hey, guys, would you, would you get things together? For it has been reported to me by Sholi's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers, which I mean is that one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized into the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did also baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Not with words of eloquent wisdom, 
lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Again, I would say to the leaders and I would say to young pastors across the country, don't empty the cross of its power. Just preach the gospel. Don't worry about, do you sound as eloquent as the, the great speakers of your day? Just like Paul didn't try to compete with the great speakers of his day. In fact, they, they made fun of him about it. They said, oh, he's not a good speaker. He said, but I do have knowledge. He said, I'm, I'm happy that I don't use eloquent words that wow people. He said, I'm happy because I never want the cross to be emptied of its power. There is power in the message of the cross. As we finish up, we always like to end with a little bit of wisdom from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 30. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when hunger. Now notice, so attitudes are mitigated by need. If a person steals from you and they're hungry, you know what? If you're like me, you'll probably just go ahead and go buy him some food. All right? I mean, I, I've read of some policemen here lately who they, they saw a man stealing food. No, excuse me, not a man. They saw a woman stealing some food. And the policeman saw and said, why are you doing this? And she said, I have no food for the children at home. So a couple of policemen, now here's a good story about policemen. A couple of policemen went back into the store, got a whole bunch of food for them, and gave her the sacks of groceries to take home to her children. So we, we do have different attitudes when people have a need. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold, and he will give up all the goods of his house. All right, so there still has to be <laughs> recompense. Okay, there still has to be retribution. There still has to be consequences. You know, you're, you, you can't just go around steal because you have a need. But now he really zones in. He said, he who commits adultery lacks sense. I believe it's the NIV that says he's stupid. And I know we don't like that word, but it's a good word. He who commits adultery lacks sense or stupid. And he who does it, commits adultery, destroys himself. All right, now you, you're going to have to get a hold of that. You know, sexual sin has consequences. And people always say, well, you know, it doesn't affect anybody but the two people having it, but it says, you destroy yourself. He will get wounds and dishonor and disgrace will not be wiped away. Wow. So we have wounds, we have dishonor, and we have disgrace. So in other words, your reputation is going to be destroyed by your sexual immorality. Now, I, young people I know, young men, you know, if a guy's having sex with women, he's considered macho. But you're going to have to understand, no, 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 no. It destroys your reputation. Dishonor. Disgrace. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse, though you multiply the gifts. When you go out and have, commit adultery with another man's wife, you know what? He's going to hate you forever. And he will make sure everybody else hates you forever. So can I please encourage you? And, I, and I, I'm just going to say it straight up like my daddy taught me. Keep your zipper up. 
okay? I mean, just stay away from sexual sins in Jesus' name. All right, we'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.